All right, well, good morning, and uh, why don't we start with a prayer for this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we come before you um, in our weakness, in our humility, in our need for you. And so, Lord, we, we thirst for you, we thirst for life in, in this world. Um, we just ask that we might be able to be filled with that life which truly gives life. Um, we ask uh, that you bless this conversation and bless the words and bless our insights and our awareness um, in all of these things. We ask this through the Holy Spirit and through our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, my initial idea for our three meetings was the first one would be talking about asceticism, you know, kind of unpacking that a little bit more so that we don't kind of become too kind of disjointed and kind of seeking just uh, an increase in willpower, but instead relating it to asceticism in a Christian sense. Uh, this time I kind of want to talk a little bit more on prayer, kind of in the midst of this all, but kind of, kind of from different readings to to kind of unpack kind of the knowledge of the way that God works in the midst of, so that we can bring it to prayer kind of in a knowledgeable way. And then the last meeting um, next month, I hope to un- kind of unpack a little bit more of hopefully you'll be praying about and have a knowledge of what practices are helpful and what practices aren't helpful. And hopefully it'll be a launching point for specifically a discussion to be able to say what uh, things do I want to keep on doing you know, that are helpful for the relationships with the people around me, what kind of things are hard, but yet still important. And so just to kind of be able to launch off of that to day 91, well. And so um, there was some reading that just kind of really uh, struck me over the last few weeks. And so I just want to share that with you and thought that that would be helpful. The first one is from this book, Worshiping a Hidden God, which is by Archbishop Martinez, who was the Archbishop of Mexico City until 1956. And uh, it's a beautiful writing kind of on prayer and everything else. And here's just one section uh, from it. And so I'd like to read this out loud and, and then to kind of unpack it and talk about it a little bit more. So I put it in front of you. So uh, it says... All crosses, no matter what their source, can help to sanctify you. So, in the first place, to profit from the cross, we must, before all else, recognize it. It seems strange to say that we ought to realize that we have a cross. Can we be unaware that we are suffering if we feel our sufferings? There is no question that we bear a cross on our shoulders. We are aware that we are undergoing pain, but very many times we do not advert to the fact that this is a cross, since we do not think that all suffering is a cross in the sense that whenever we suffer, we carry a cross on our shoulders. But all suffering, no matter whence it comes, is a cross, and consequently it leads us to God and is fruitful for our souls. Not only the suffering that God sends us directly, But those that come from creatures, the devil, or ourselves, are also crosses. Let us suppose the soul is suffering the consequences of his own faults. Are those consequences a cross? Are they helpful to bring the soul to God? Unquestionably. The soul did wrong when he gave rise to the consequences, but he does well when he embraces them in order to go to God. 
Hence, to a certain extent, the desire to know whether we bear the blame in what we suffer is foolish questioning. How many souls are disconcerted without disconcerted because of this attitude? When they suffer anything, they say to themselves, this is not a cross, this is not a spiritual affliction. Let us suppose the statement is true, that I am in the wrong for having brought about the state of affairs. But now that I am in this painful situation, can I not use it to sanctify myself? We are to, we are to blame for the cross of Jesus Christ with which he redeemed us. Of what is the cross of Christ wrought? Of sins. The cross of our Lord is a deadly origin And notwithstanding this, it is the source of our redemption. Since Jesus sanctified it and offered his sacrifice on it, it was precisely the cross that aided him in redeeming us for the sins that are responsible for it. Thus, I, I am able to turn the very consequence of my sins into an instrument of health and of life. If the state of my soul is the result of my failings, I can, if I endure as it, it as I ought, bring about its conversion into the foundation of life for me. Thus, in a certain sense, the cause of our afflictions matters little. In all instances, we ought to see them across, and we ought to make for us make use of them for our sanctification. If it is punishment, well, punishments are fruitful in this life. In the next, the eternal punishments of hell does not have the fruitfulness, yet Even from the depths of hell, the glory of God is manifest. Hell is not fruitful for the damned, but it is for God, since it renders glory to him. The chastisements of earth also give glory to God, but at the same time, they are fruitful for our souls. So it kind of cuts off there a little bit. You can't really really see it. Um, Mine did. So I found this really fruitful, kind of thinking about our own sufferings in the midst of it all. Again, the sufferings of Exodus and at different times of our failings of Exodus and kind of our different sufferings that we kind of endure. And there's a lot of times I know for myself where, you know, if if something's the consequence of sin or somebody else's sin, right? Well, this person is, is, you know, making me angry because because they did did whatever. then I sometimes write it off and say, well, I'm right to be impatient or I'm right to be um, suffering, but I don't recognize it as a cross. I don't recognize it as a way where Jesus is able to interact and it's then lost and, and void of some opportunity. And so it's just incredibly important for that to us to recognize it that every single suffering. So I just want us to take a moment now and kind of ima- kind of think about our last week and kind of what kind of crosses we recognized as sufferings. Hopefully the asceticisms of Exodus 90 at different times we recognized as sufferings. Um, but there's lots of other sufferings in our life that also are present. And I know I've been kind of reflecting on that the last few days. And I just want us, you know, part of Exodus 90 is so that we can incorporate and live a more... Um, I want to say integrated life as a whole and suffering is a major part of life that we often ignore exodus 90 helps us to 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 be you know kind of have those those very superficial things of suffering to to integrate and so we're trying to also integrate other suffering so that when we leave this suffering we might also integrate those other things so we'll just take um about you know 15 30 seconds to kind of just take some time for that so let me just
take that moment now. All right, we'll maybe talk about that, you know, kind of what kind of came to mind, hopefully, uh, later at the end. So just try to keep those things in mind. Um, I'd like to kind of move on to the next sheet now. We just kind of unpacks a little bit more <clears throat> our response to God in the midst of suffering. And I know one of the beautiful things, uh, I've been talking about it with different people, um, and I know I experienced it myself at different times of Exodus 90. But when I'm struggling with different, you know, kind of practices of Exodus 90, sometimes other struggles of temptations kind of go away. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm struggling and I'm failing with Exodus 90. And all of a sudden, like, those things are bringing me back to God actually more readily um, than sometimes other things. And so I'm able to approach the world with more humility than otherwise I do. And so it's amazing, like, kind of in the midst of failure, sometimes the way that God's grace, as we avail ourselves to him more, is more helpful. But it's not just in terms of Exodus 90. It's in the midst of our, our greatest sins as well, where as we acknowledge our failing, as we come back to God's presence, right? Exodus 90, the failings of the different things. We might not want to talk to each other about it at different times. You know, we kind of feel a little bit self-conscious about that. But I think it's a little bit easier to sometimes go to God, you know, with our failings of Exodus 90 than sins where we experience, you know, great shame, right? Where Exodus 90, if we, you know, fail and take a cookie, you know, sneak a cookie, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's not... Uh, you know, was that exactly it? We don't have as much shame going to God with it, right? Uh, but we want to kind of un take away that shame in some ways, um, and specifically thinking about sin in, in general. And the, the greatest saints kind of just talk about that abandonment of going to God uh, in the midst of our failures. And so this is one that really struck me. This comes from the Office of Readings in the Bravery. Uh, and so it has different kind of short readings that you know priests and religious uh, kind of pray every single day. And this one was from St. Bernard, which I didn't look up St. Bernard Abbott. I'm not exactly sure what time he lived. Um, but he's, this is a sermon from the Song of Songs. Now, interestingly enough, Song of Songs is like this this love poem, okay? So it's this love poem of like the beloved seeking the beloved, you know, or, you know, and kind of this, you know, gazelle, there's a gazelle in it, lattice, you know, there's like all these kind of supposed to be erotic, you know, kind of uh, imagery, but it's God's always interpreted as God's uh, view of coming after us. And it's interesting that St. Bernard specifically doesn't talk about a lot of that kind of love aspect to it, but it talks about our interaction with God uh, with sin specifically. And so I'd like to read this and kind of unpack that a little bit as well. So, so a sermon from the Song of Songs by St. Bernard Abbott. Where sin abounded, grace has overflowed. Where can the weak find a place of firm security and peace except in the wounds of the Savior? 
Or where can the weak find a place of firm security and peace except in the wounds of, our, of the Savior? That's a question mark. I'm not quite sure how that works. Okay. Uh, indeed, the more secure is my place, there the more he can do to help me. The world rages. The flesh is heavy. The devil lays his snares, but I do not fall, for my feet are planted on firm rock. I may, may have sinned gravely. My conscience would be distracted, distressed, but it would not be in turmoil, for I would recall the wounds of the Lord. He has wounded for he was wounded for our iniquities. What sin is there so deadly that it cannot part, be pardoned by the death of Christ? And so if I bear in mind this strong effective remedy, I can never again be terrified by the malignancy of sin. Surely, the man who said, my sin is too great to merit pardon, was wrong. He was speaking as though he were not a member of Christ and had no share in his merits, so that he could claim them as his own and as a member of the body can claim what belongs to the head. As for me, what can I appropriate that I lack from the heart of the Lord who abounds in mercy? They pierced his hands and feet and opened his side with a spear. Through the opening of these wounds, I may drink honey from the rock and oil from the hardest stone. That is, I may taste and see that the Lord is sweet. He was thinking thoughts of peace, and I did not know it. For he who knows the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor. But the piercing nails has become the key to unlock the door, that I may see the good will of the Lord. And what can I see as I look through the hole? Both the nail and the wound cry out that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The sword pierced his soul and came close to his heart, so that he might be able to feel compassion for me in my weakness. Through these sacred wounds, we can see the secrets of his heart, the great mystery of love, the sincerity of his mercy with which he visited us from on high. Where have your love and your mercy, your compassion, shone out more luminously than in your wounds, sweet, gentle Lord of mercy? More mercy than this no one has than he lay down his life for those who are doomed to death. My merit comes from his mercy, for I do not lack merit so long as he does not lack pity. And if the Lord's mercies are many, then I am rich in merits. For even if I am aware of many sins, what does it matter? What sin abounded, where sin abounded, grace has overflowed. And if the Lord's mercies are from all ages forever, I too will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Will I not sing of my own righteousness? No. Lord, I shall be mindful only of your justice, yet that too is my own, for God has made you my righteousness. And so to kind of unpack it a little bit, I mean, there's a lot kind of focusing on the wounds of Christ in the midst of that all. But I think, you know, one of the biggest kind of takeaways for me praying that day was just our firmness in Christ's pity, <laughs> in his mercy, right? Uh, that so often our conscience, instead of just being distressed, is thrown into turmoil, perhaps with our failings, with our weakness, with our inability to respond at times to God's grace, and and to just... Um, not be thrown into a tither, not not be thrown into uh, de- 
depression or, you know, desolation in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our weakness, right? But to instead focus on the wounds of Christ. And that's a very important, you know, kind of aspect to be able to say, you know what? Uh, Yeah, do I want to, you know, act perfectly? Do I want to, you know, respond to those people around me with love? Do I want to actually pray today? Do I actually want to do all these things? Yes. Uh, But there are times when perhaps I fail. And so um, how do I come back to Christ? Well, you can beat yourself up, right? And stay away in shame and, and everything else. Or you can just come back to focus on the love of God, you know, on his mercy, on the fact that, you know, he's not, uh, that Christianity isn't a scale of weights, but is instead is on the mercy and the merits that Christ has won for us. And so as we incorporate those as much into our life as we can, the faster that we do it, the sooner that we do it, right? It, it, the, the more that grace can enter back into our life and we can allow the cross of Christ to endure in our life as opposed to our weakness endure in our life. And so um, just kind of thinking about that in terms of prayer, right? How important prayer is, daily prayer in the midst of this all, to be able to continue to go back to Christ even as soon as we fail, in fact, as soon as we fail, <laughs> um, to go back to God in prayer, um, to be able to once again to acknowledge his mercy, to acknowledge his grace, and that, uh, that that triumphs in the midst of it all. And so, you know, in the midst of Exodus 90, you know, kind of thinking about prayer, how important, you know, one of the most important aspects of Exodus 90 is the prayer. Because everything else becomes disordered without prayer, without the focus on Jesus, uh, without that ability to be able to continue to return to God and allow him to guide you, um, we're becoming disordered. We're becoming focused on ourselves, either our failures or our successes, right? We're focusing on ourselves. And so how important that prayer is to keep on relating to God, keep on bringing those uh, things to God. And I think failures, unfortunately, um, give us an opportunity to do that easier than our successes, right? Our successes were just like, great, success, good to go. I've pleased God and I don't need to talk to him. But in our failures is where we kind of have that conscience pricking us, right? Um, But we want to be able to get to a place where we're able to come to God in the midst of in both our successes and our failures, right? Just all the time to be relating to God. And so I hope that Exodus 90, in the midst of this all, if we don't pray at specific times, we don't pray at all. <laughs> you know, that our intention is, of course, to pray at all times. But we need to set aside certain times in order to pray. It's like, uh, I was going to start, the, the difference, uh, a Franciscan and a Jesuit really like smoking and so they wanted to see whether they could smoke while they were praying, you know, and so they went to their superior because they were good. And so, so the, the Jesuit, you know, uh, well, the Franciscan first went to his superior and he said, can I, can I smoke while I'm praying? And the, you know, the superior's like, no, you're supposed to be focusing on prayer, you know, not, not smoking. So no, you can't do that. And the Jesuit very smartly said, you know, can I pray while I'm smoking? 
Yeah, like, yes, pray at all times. Yes, absolutely. You know, you can pray while you're smoking. Well, you know, those are, those are two different aspects of the way that we kind of interact with prayer, right? Do we want to pray at all times? Yes. Uh, are there specific times where we set aside to pray in a more formal way? Yes, so that we can pray at all times. And that's kind of the idea of the, the holy hour, at least 20 minutes of prayer set aside for that. Um, and that's really important to be able to take that time. Um, should we be pr- praying when we smoke? Yeah. Should we be praying when we, when we do other activities? Absolutely. Can we pray when we're driving? Absolutely. But we also acknowledge that praying when we're driving probably isn't the most uh, uh, focused prayer as well, right? And so just kind of that acknowledgement in the midst of it all, uh, uh, different ways, but we, but we get what we can. And so that important of, of that relating. I hope at this point you've been able to have certain weeks of success maybe with your, with your prayer and certain weeks not. And that's a really important thing to be able to be relating with your accountability, with those fraternity around you to be able to say, uh, yeah, I got my 20 minutes in or, you know, that's, you know, just that focus of, is that a priority in your day, or is that if you have an extra 20 minutes, right? Because Exodus 90 is forcing this upon you, and yet it's still difficult for, for some, right, in different ways, right? And so just imagine, you know, this is probably the one practice that I would say that, you know, cannot be kind of abandoned after would be the prayer, right? That's one thing where at the end of 90 days, we hope at 91, you're still committing to prayer, right? Maybe not as much, you know, if you've been committing to a whole hour or something, you know, like, right? There can be an adjustment to what's able to do that. But realistically, every single serious Christian should be praying at least a half an hour every day. You know, that's at least what Monsignor Rolfs, uh, 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 really a priest who kind of helped form me my last year of seminary, you know, kind of said, and that's what he would always try to get people to go in confession or, you know, what he was always trying to driving people towards. It's like, if you're not praying at all during the day, like, what are you doing? And that, you know, really, if you're serious about it, you should be praying at least half an hour that we can find that time. And so the same, same thing for Exodus 90, that that should be a focus in the midst of it all. And, um, so that it can guide us. So, um, so that's just a continued thought for you. Um, and specifically to never be, you know, the, these two really stuck out to me because I think that the two things that kind of um, help us go to prayer is failures and crosses, to be able to see those as our need for God, to relate those to God so that we can redeem them, so that our life, I, I'm just uh, absolutely, specifically yesterday was one of those days where it struck me at how much, the world um, has no meaning. <laughs> that without the cross of Christ, there is so much suffering in life. There's so much suffering in the world that it makes no sense. <laughs> and it really, it's just like suicide makes sense without God. I mean, it, it really does. Um, and I'm just amazed, you know, like in the United States, there are, you know, just in our wealth, there's an increase in suicide. And that without any understanding of suffering, without the understanding of difficulty, without the understanding of hope, like, yeah, I mean, life doesn't make any sense. But with the cross of Christ, you know, that every single bit of suffering can in fact be united to Christ and be redeemed and actually be life-giving, not in, uh, 
consolate or you know in a pleasure sense but in a in a real sense that redeems um how that transforms life and then and then also to just always be you know solidly rooted on the rock of of jesus um any uh thoughts or things that you'd like to i guess still be connected with this recording about prayer or uh you know, any questions about that? I'd make a comment just on talking about taking that time for prayer. Yeah. Uh, just reading uh, the book of from Matthew Kelly, Rediscovering Catholicism. Yeah. And his chapter on prayer there is, is stopping by the church for 10 minutes in a day. And taking that time, just that 10 minutes a day can change your prayer life into a whole meaningful longer prayer eventually. But... To start, but start small. Don't think you're going to go to big <laughs> prayer all at once, and it's going to stay there. Start small and, and build on that. That's very, very powerful. What I read there. Yeah, yeah. But it's a daily. Don't miss the daily. Day. Yeah, yeah. Don't that's so incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and at times, it's really difficult to step away because there's a certain amount of suffering that is required in prayer. You know, often it's not like everything falls away and you've got nothing else to do and you think of prayer, right? Often everything falls away and you're like, I'm really bored and I've got to find something to do. Or a lot of stuff is happening and you've got to step away to pray, right? Or you've got to wake up earlier to pray, right? All those things are certain um, sacrifices um, that, are, that are worth it, that are good, but that do require a choice. Prayer doesn't just accidentally happen like watch, watching Netflix does, right? That just accidentally happens, right? It's just like it accidentally happens that you, you know, eat, eat food times, right? Because there's food just sitting out, right? Uh, but prayer doesn't just accidentally happen in a, in a focused way. And so there has to be that sacrifice in some ways to be able to make it happen. And so that, you know, hopefully Exodus 90 is getting you a little bit more tolerant to suffering in some ways uh, to be able to, you know, step away from things that are good for a greater good, which is especially prayer. Yeah. I think one thing that for me is really interesting is that I picked that up, picked up on it a little bit more as I've been going along, but I've been um, working on, I used to, was stationed in West Germany, for a couple of years when I was in the military. So I had German, so I, I've been praying to a rosary, uh, the Our Father and Hail Marys in German, and then trying to incorporate the other prayers. But I, I learned, it's been several years before, uh, probably in the 2000s, I learned how to do Latin through St. Pope John Paul II. He had a Latin cassette. Okay, I'm sorry, it might be but anyway with this cassette I, I learned how to do Latin so I did um, the Pater Noster and the Ave Maria with the Latin so now I'm teaching myself French and the Czech French yeah. and it's interesting because I go like well how am I not having uh, 20, 20 minutes a day and then I realize that you know like one time I was doing it for about an hour and a half <laughs> trying to learn how to how to say it and how to enunciate properly and stuff. And I was going like, well, this is a good way to do prayer because you're learning something and you're learning another language. Because I said, man, it would be neat to go 
to Lourdes, France, and actually Indeed. pray the rosary with them because if you get the Our Father and Hail Mary, that's pretty much most of the rosary, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I figured, well, I can work on that stuff. But it, it gives it, it doesn't light me now because now I've got something to shoot for as far as making stuff for prayer because then I know that I can go ahead and, and start working on that, you know, yeah. daily, every day. Yeah. And it's, it's, inter it's interesting because it's something I guess I, I guess I'll always like that idea. Yeah, that's important. I, I like what you kind of pull out there is that, you know, not everybody is going to be super excited about languages. I hate languages. So that would be absolute torture for me. But, but it's enjoyable for some people. And so kind of recognizing that of like where is, is prayer um, fit with kind of your personality in different ways, right? It, do you like to read or not read, you know, right? Is, is scripture something that, you know, you, you know, is within prayer? Is it praying the rosary? Is it uh, reading a spiritual book from a saint that's, you know, old school? Or is it, you know, reading something new that kind of launches you into prayer? What kind of different aspects are helpful for the different personalities is very important to unpack and kind of practice and to be able to say prayer doesn't have to be the same for everybody and that it does look different, um, but that um, it, prayer has to happen and that there are many different schools in the midst of that all. And go along with that, with the poetry, uh, um, I prayed every day, I have for a while, but uh, to me, it got kind of boring, I think, like it does with a lot of people because of repetitions. So what I've done is, the Our Father, I always try to concentrate on the words, and then the first two Hail Marys I do, and then the next seven, I try to concentrate on the, the mystery of the rosary. Yeah. And then the last one, I speak it in French because I've learned it yeah. in French, the Hail Mary. And so that kind of breaks things up for me and keeps yeah. me concentrated mm -hmm. on everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's mm -hmm. good. That's good. All right, well, why don't we, why don't we close and um, we'll uh, then break it open to a little bit more conversation just about prayer and um, crosses in life. So uh, why don't we just close with an Our Father, in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.